Hello, and welcome to the greatest crypto podcast on earth with me, Corval, and of course, DeFi Charles. Today, we're going to be talking about S4 Kingdom, a couple of breaking news segments we've got to fill out for you, including the Grayscale Trust. We're also going to cover, what is it, Swell? Swell? It's going to be Swell with Charles. All right, guys, let's start the show. They take your money, then they take you down with them. Let's do better together. ERN, extremely resilient, naturally. What's up, guys? Austin here with BlockBytes, and I just wanted to give a big shout out to the team from Shimmer Network for sponsoring our channel. If you haven't looked into Shimmer yet, they are a DAG-based, feeless layer one network that's highly scalable. You can learn more by visiting shimmer.network. Hello, Charles. What's up, man? I like your jacket. Your mic is <laughs> muted. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Uh, it's me, Charles, and the mute man. Great job. Okay, Great job filling in the silence. <laughs> I don't know what it is with this mic. If I jostle the cord just a little too much, it just disconnects. Sorry about that. Dude, this is, that was probably my my worst intro ever dude i was like confused <laughs> about what I like we're the best about. crypto podcasts in the world That's oh yeah definitely true but yeah. quick recap let me confirm with you charles what's on the menu today grayscale oath taxes base s4 kingdom aerodrome and then of course swell, swell. and then we're gonna take a little walk through the yield field oh yeah baby we got, How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. It's my um, day to day birthday. Happy um, birthday, Charles! Thanks. It it may or may not be today. <laughs> not to dox myself any further. It's I one see. of the days this week. We've we've um, entered the general time frame around which Charles was born. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe not even the day. Not his, not his legal day. Well, Charles, how old are you? Your we'll tarot tell that. cards, you astrologers. I'm a Virgo. Tell me about oh. myself. Thanks, that John. That makes sense. Appreciate that, buddy. You sound like yep. a Virgo. Do I? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that means. My sister's one, too. So whatever All you right. two got in common. But let's get into it, guys. I want to also quick plug uh, again. 15% discount on Delphi Digital if you use our code in the comment section below. So be sure to check it out. We did a lot of research on there. Um, so let's start off. Charles, we didn't talk about this before the show. You know, usually we prep. But uh, I just saw it right before we went live. The first Bitcoin ETF could be on the way thanks to this lawsuit. The Grayscale lawsuit. The judge ruled in favor of Grayscale over the SEC. So, you know... The SEC was pushing back on like whether or not they were going to approve this or not. I think they denied it, and they denied like even reading the appeal. And so the District of Columbia's Court of Appeals has said that was unfair. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that, especially when you have other uh, ETFs passing 
Um, they said essentially the logic made no sense for why it was denied. Um, oh, I have it highlighted on this one. Yeah, the commission failed to adequately explain why it approved the listing of two Bitcoin future ETPs, but not the Grayscale's proposed Bitcoin ETP. In the absence of a coherent explanation, this unlike regulatory treatment of like products is unlawful. We therefore grant Grayscale's petition for review and vacate the commission's orders. So this doesn't mean immediately this thing is going to come in. It just means that the the SEC has to actually like review the application. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, okay, first of all, I think this is pretty big. Like this is, mm -hmm. I mean, there's obviously good news for us um, and, you know, go Grayscale or whatever. Um, but I mean, the SEC, <laughs> I don't know. They're fun. They're representing yeah. us in this one specific case. Um, no, I kind of get it. Right. Like, I, I mean, what the SEC can do is just is rejected on, on some other grounds. Like they've won this specific, um, argument where it's like, you can't deny it on these grounds. So you're going to have to review it. And if you are, if your conclusion is already that you're going to deny it, you're going to have to come up with something else because this doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't really know too much about it, but um, it's obviously good news. And uh, I think, you know, eventually we're going to get a BT BTC ETF. Um, and we're just, you know, one step closer every day. Uh, so... Yeah, eventually so, he's gonna have to make decision on all these different ETFs, and you know one's gonna get passed, and then they're all gonna get approved. Yeah, and to Mister Clean's point here too, they'll keep fighting it, and that's like going off what you're saying, Charles. We're gonna keep fighting this. Eventually, it's gonna we're gonna get a Bitcoin ETF probably. Uh, but this losing streak for the SEC is amazing to watch. Uh, I agree. You know. Prior to these recent lawsuits, I looked up like the SEC's like win rate when it goes to court. It's, it's usually really high, like upwards of like 80%, 90%, because they usually don't take something to trial unless they know they're going to win, right? Because you don't want to be the, you know, the legal guy, the SEC, who's putting up stinkers, humiliating your, your, your company, your, your uh, organization. But uh, this recent set of trials does not look good for them so far so it's interesting to see how this is going to manifest but uh, uh one last thought on this i was primed for this i saw a tweet from crypto as this morning and it really resonated with me and it was like you know people used to be like let's build the future of finance and now everyone's like yay grayscale is getting approved <laughs> for an etf which is like the most boring typical yeah. finance shit of all time <laughs> yeah i mean like that's a good point um, classic AS, uh, <laughs> um, like that, that's a good point, but I think if anyone was expecting, um, crypto to come in and just immediately, immediately replace all existing financial infrastructure off the bat, I think that, that that's a bit naive. Like, um, you fire with fire, like it, we're, we're playing the long game and, you know, maybe eventually, uh, you know, decentralized finance will be like most of the activity, but uh, baby steps. And it's just like the first hurdle is getting, you know, getting some, uh, getting people to recognize the legitimacy of something like BTC, something like ETH 
and recognize um, what they actually are and how amazing the technology actually is before you can, you know, you got to walk before you can run, before mm -hmm. you can start going, okay, let's like, let's build out all our finance, financial um, infrastructure on ETH. Um, you know, I, I think you got to walk before you can run. And this obviously is like, it's a TradFi uh, product, mm -hmm. but you're, you're not going to just come in and like throw out all of TradFi and just replace it with, it's not going to be just like some instant switch. Um, we're just you. moving towards crypto adoption and eventually, hopefully people start caring about things like decentralization and things like, um, you know, being, being custody over their, their assets. Yeah. I, you know, this is a two group dudes agreeing podcast. I agree with you, here. <laughs> but one point I think is, I think this might be kind of like the end of that narrative cycle of we got to prove that there's value to these systems right mm -hmm. it seems kind of almost like a given now and it kind of flipped on and like turned on a dime that's the expression right like flipped it very quickly uh towards the end of last year you remember us talking about diamond jamie diamond was it jamie diamond no it was the black rock guy that came out and i think jamie diamond yeah. actually changed his tune too so yeah it's like larry fink larry fink larry fink um so I think this is kind of the end of that. We're going to have to build a new narrative now. Now it's going to be uh, great. They like Bitcoin. They like Ethereum. They want to play with them. But now the games we're playing have to be more fair. That's the yeah. next step. Yeah. Nice. So, well said. Moving on. Understanding tokenomics part three. Charles, you want to give us a quick little teaser for this? Because we're going to have Beavis on Thursday. And he's going to. Yeah. Yeah. And off. he'll be able to. Uh, yeah. He'll be able to speak to this. Mm -hmm. Um a lot a lot more eloquently than i will but um i guess i'll just say a few things about this Swat. um so the past couple of months for mm -hmm. for the oath token um have been a bit rough right like um if you're a user looking in from the outside um you know you watch charts mostly and you're um, no one likes to see their bags shrink if you're if you're an oath holder. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, uh, having the pleasure to become a contributor to the ecosystem, um, working closely with uh, the Byte Masons and other contributors, I can say that the progress being made internally has been immense. So, so um, your unbiased opinion is that it's my unbiased myth. opinion um, <laughs> bullish. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> Um, anyways, with that in mind, um, this article and the subsequent proposal that will come from it is aimed at directly addressing concerns that people have around um, around the tokenomic structure of Oath and around the utility of Oath um, and trying to uh, make Oath a more product-focused uh, token, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm just going to go through... Um, the basics of, of what the article is saying. Okay. Um, and so the first, the biggest thing is that um, the liquidity fragmentation uh, of Oath has been, has been real across a bunch of different chains. Um, so the first thing, and this is already underway, is consolidation of Oath liquidity onto Optimism. So Optimism is going to be the home for most Oath liquidity. There's going to be pools on other networks, smaller pools that, um, you know, users can can swap for, but Optimism is going to be the hub for, for Oath liquidity. Um, 
another big thing in the outline in the article is uh, Oath becoming the recipient of all Oath ecosystem protocol or platform fees. So mm-hmm. those being Ethos Reserve and, and Reaper, mm-hmm. um, and that being real yield. So be Oath stakers receiving fees from these platforms in the form of ETH and BTC and OP and ERN. Um, so that is a change that's that's being proposed. Um, the mm-hmm. second source of revenue um, that's going to be directed to BOTH stakers will be a result of the implementation of OOTH. Um, so option. if anyone's option tokens, um, if you are familiar with option tokens, um, OOTH is going to be the incentive token or it's, it's going to be proposed as being the incentive token mm-hmm. um, for, you know, uh, incentivizing liquidity and other things like this. So users are going to be incentivized with the opportunity to buy Oath at a large discount rather than incentivi- incentivization happening um, via like just spot liquid Oath. Um, I don't know. We've seen a lot of success with option tokens from other mm-hmm. protocols. Like if you think about the one I was thinking about was Retro. Um, and I mean... There, the retro token has done extremely well comparatively, uh, like compared to a lot of other solidly forks where mm-hmm. it's kind of a sad story. Um, and I think a lot of that is uh, can be attributed to their their O token to the O token. You think that's the primary driver of their success? I think it might be useful, um, but I kind of really want to focus specifically on what's going on here. So what 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 change is being proposed here is that the yield and the rewards from Reaper are going to be in Oath. So that's going to so, create buy pressure on Oath because the project is buying Oath off the market with these to pay you out? Um, no, the, the yield from, or the, the, the fees collected by Ethos and Reaper will be uh, directly go towards the Oath stakers. Okay. Um, yes. And then what I was talking about with the, um, the O token revenue, say, you know, you're a liquidity provider and you are incentivized with a bunch of O tokens, you decide to exercise them, meaning you decide to use them to buy oath at some, you know, some substantial discount. The tokens that you use to buy oath at a discount um, are going to go to be oath stakers. And a lot of the details here are going to be worked out through discussions via governance. This is all going through governance. Um, so oath governors are going to have a say about all of this. And obviously there's going to be a vote and all that, all mm-hmm. that jazz. Um, but that is what I mean through the revenue from, from O tokens is that when users exercise the, those options, mm-hmm. um, that they use tokens to, to exercise them. And those tokens will go towards uh, the, oath, the oath stakers. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, you can also, I, I believe there's going to be, uh, you will have the opportunity or the the option to convert those O tokens directly into BOTH at a one-to-one. So, um, hmm. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Fascinating. Will stability pool stakers be affected by this new proposal? Um, A stability pool on, on ethos reserve, guys. I don't, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Yeah. Um, I believe the stability pool remains um, as as it as it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, although you know, don't quote me, but 
just at first first glance and first understanding, um, stability pool is going to be working the same way. Um, there's one other big um, piece of this this article and this proposal um, is the introduction of chapters. And what chapters are are implementations of oath ecosystem infrastructure mm -hmm. uh, or tech on other networks. So they'll have their own teams, their okay. own token or tokens, their own plan, um, but they will be implemented by, they'll be using the tech that underlies the Oath ecosystem um, and they will be implemented in some other ecosystem. To, so to use the example that Beavis does in the article, um, a base chapter might mm -hmm. include an implementation of Ethos v2 with a focus on, you know, CBETH, RWAs, USDC, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and that will be the base chapter and it will be managed by its own team and they will have do their own thing. So um, it's like a friendly fork, kind of like we yeah. saw a balancer. Yeah, you can think of it that way. Yeah. And um, the chapter is going to be formed through oath governance and oath governors, be oaths or oath stakers or be oath stakers, however the details get worked out there, are going to be receiving allocations of the chapter tokens so that's how it funnels back to oath oath is like you know the the hub of the wheel okay. and these spokes uh of chapters are going out to all these different ecosystems and premiering oath infrastructure oath architecture the tech premiering the tech on other chains as their own okay as their own thing and i believe balancer um, did the same thing with a lot of their friendly forks too right like they would get beats or whatever the other one was uh, yeah, a, 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 good, that. A, mm -hmm. a good analogy is is Beats, where like Balancer benefits from um, Beethoven. I mean, it's mm -hmm. kind of kind of bad timing to talk about it because of how how rough it's been for those two teams recently. Mm -hmm. But if you want to think of it as as some sort of analogy to chapters, it's kind of similar, where um, they both benefit. Beats is taking Balancer Tech to Optimism. Um, and, uh, they have their own thing going on, but balancer is, is a beneficiary of, gotcha. of beat success. So if you um, want to be at the center, you get the, you get the oath and you can mm -hmm. benefit from various other projects that are, are using the, the, the plan, the franchise, it's a franchise model almost. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I don't want to linger on this too long. Cause you know, yeah, we'll, we'll let, uh, we'll let, let Beavis the grandmaster of the, of the bite masons handle it. But there was one I wanted to address uh, from Scorpius. Uh, did we know more about the divesting schedule for Oath Tokens? I believe this is public. Uh, I don't know if you could see how you could see everybody's. Um, um, yeah. I, I'm sure it's available. I think I know it off, off the top of my head. Um, mm -hmm. uh, early contributor slash team member vesting schedules are four years linear unlock four years um similarly if you were to participate in the oath lge um you have a four-year option and that just unlocks linearly um over the course of four years yeah uh, Some so less, the vesting though. schedule yeah mm. um yeah the vesting schedule um is un is unchanged in terms of uh in terms of like those who have vested tokens those will be uh that's unchanged as okay. far as i know okay man really cool all right yeah 
Uh, I think that answers it. Uh, I yeah. think if you're looking for like kind of like a dashboard or something, Scorpius, I don't know if that exists. Uh, it might, but hey, you, I'm going to ask Beavis about it, bro. And you know what? I'm yeah. going to ask the other data guy at By Masons for you. Um, <laughs> but moving along, let's move on to the next right. one because we got so let's much more on. news to cover. And this is also <sighs> everyone's favorite taxes. We can talk about a little bit about taxes. Charles, this doesn't even affect you, does it? <laughs> you don't even care about it. Thank but, um, God. No. Um, for my come fellow, to Canada, folks. Join me. Yeah, move to Canada or, like me, fellow Amerifats, we're going to have to get used to uh, a new rule by the Treasury uh, for crypto taxes. This is proposed. This is proposed. So this isn't in effect yet. This is a rule that needs to get passed. But basically, it's part of a broader push by Congress and regulatory authorities to crack down on crypto users who may be failing to pay their taxes an interesting way to phrase this um you know like they're trying so hard to pay everyone's trying so hard to pay their taxes and it's just not working i don't think it's really <laughs> like that uh, but under the proposal the definition of a broker would include both centralized and decentralized digital asset trading platforms crypto payment processors and certain online wallets where users store digital assets the rule would cover cryptocurrencies like bitcoin and either as well as non-fungible tokens so this is the big fat juicy part that was uh getting everyone on twitter uh, all of twitter uh on x all of a twitter uh because what this would do is essentially say that all your dexes are digital asset trading platforms right so they're going to be brokers and that makes the rules really tight really oppressive actually yeah it's feel, uh it's pretty like dystopian um to be honest uh sorry i'm just responding to something in the chat Mm -hmm. um, there's a site you can check out for LGE vesting schedules, so go there. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty like, I mean, it's just a, a, a tax proposal, obviously. Um, there needs to be discussion. There need, It needs to get passed, which I would be very shocked if it does without some amendments. But it mm -hmm. specifies and like characterizes operators of non-custodial platforms like you said where mm -hmm. um like the operators or the people who are managing the like an amm dap are going to be have to be reporting um uh reporting like information <laughs> yeah like like a tax return on mm -hmm. like wallets of their users Everything. As far as I understand, they would have to track user PL and issue them a tax statement every mm -hmm. year. Um, and now where it gets weird is where you have like decentralized governance systems where the where the token holders are the ones who are actually um who actually like own the mm -hmm. the the DAP. So it's like, how the hell do you, you know, if you have a really, really decentralized application? How the hell do you decide who is like the operator of the website? You know, um, mm -hmm. is it like the, is it the devs? Like, <laughs> you know, like, and and in the in the proposal, there's a bunch of sentences that say the treasury and the IRS invite comments regarding yeah. circumstances where they're like, hey, <laughs> like, can you tell us how we might do this? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. It's it's kind of half baked. Um, and there's just a lot of requests for comments around like, uh, you know, who or who does or doesn't maintain sufficient control or influence 
over the services that that an app would offer yeah um, it's yeah. a that's fascinating charles it's a it's a really interesting point to me that they you know they're soliciting advice because it reminds me of earlier this year really jogged my memory i think we saw a very early form of this uh earlier this year where the treasury was proposing some tax rules um i think actually the same exact thing that would have crippled DeFi. um but you know the regulatory environment for something like this it's still so i mean we're starting to see things shake out now like take form like how they want to approach crypto as a whole but it's not completely there yet so i think that's part of this this is kind of them putting it forward like maybe we should kind of collaborate on getting to this end that's kind of how i'm seeing it um mm -hmm. but yeah it, it seems like they're kind of just waltz, you know yeah i mean it seems like they're i don't know what do i know but like it seems like they're just taking stabs like a proposal like this has come out like we've seen ones like this like you said uh, mm -hmm. just come out and try and do something like really crazy um and then they kind of get forgotten i don't know obviously what the status of all these different proposals are but it seems like they're just like taking stabs at like hey what if we like tried this or tried that mm -hmm. um and they're still trying to like figure it out um so yeah. they're yeah. gonna just keep hammering it away throwing everything till it sticks but i wanted yeah. to point out some other interesting things uh that stuck out to me in this article was uh or extend reporting requirements to certain cans trash <laughs> The certain cash transactions are more than $10,000 in digital assets, which I believe is a typical anti-money laundering thing. You know, if you go to a bank and you're trying to like transfer $5,000, they're no one's going to ask you anything. But if you try to do $10,000, you're going to need to fill out like 10 pages of paperwork, uh, yeah. like who you're sending it to, why, who you are, their social security number, all that stuff. Um, yeah. So kind of just it makes sense kind of being trying to bring it more in line with how they operate traditional financial systems. Um but the thing that I think they're really excited for is the new rules could bring in close to $28 billion over a decade, which is kind of like a drop in the bucket for, <laughs> for how much the U.S. government needs. But yeah. um, these would take effect in 2025 and 2026 if these were to pass. So we still got a lot of time. And then finally, this isn't that important. You had people that liked it and people that didn't. But... The typical actors here, Elizabeth Warren, were the ones urging the Treasury uh, earlier this month to quickly implement the rules because they argued that tax evaders and crypto intermediaries will continue to game the system, uh, which I also think is interesting phrasing for it because I don't know if game the system. They're playing their own game and she just doesn't like <laughs> that it's you know operating outside the system. Uh, more than specifically gaming the system. Although I guess that's exactly what tax evaders and crypto intermediaries are doing. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not jealous of, of us regulators, you know, like it's they tough. have a hard job, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's tough. I don't, you know, I don't like them technically, or like, I don't want to say that uh, I really have like tons of sympathy for them, but mm -hmm. it's a really hard job and being able, like trying to, cut down on crime or trying to protect investors actually protect investors while leaving the door open for innovation is like such a hard thing to balance um especially if you're 70 and you don't know what a blockchain is or whatever yeah. I'm, I'm sure they know what's going on now well, they just got caught up to speed you know um, like 30 minutes before yeah. they vote so it's difficult yeah. um one thing this reminded me of too is uh, this is i think a copy pasta from 
uh, Twitter, uh, from crypto Twitter. But if, do you remember seeing anything like this where it was a guy talking about how he was pissed about the new like trading reporting rules? I think he was like a typical markets trader. Uh, so he was pissed that they had him report every single trade. So to get back at the IRS, what he did was he printed out on one page for each transaction that he did. He did like thousands of transactions, like 10,000 transactions plus in the year doing high frequency trading. Right. And he just printed out a single sheet for every single one and, and built his entire tax application just on a single sheet of paper for like each sentence. And he had like a pallet by the end and he sent the pallet to them. And because it was like, you know, it's legal to file your taxes that way. <laughs> he forced, he did like random calculations. And he's like, it's going to cost them five times as much to process my taxes as they're ever going to get out of me. And yeah. uh, that kind of vindictiveness is something I aspire to. And reading stuff like this, it makes it feel kind of desirable. You know what I mean? It's kind really of a yeah, that, that that makes me think of like going to the bank mm -hmm. with like your giant piggy bank worth of pennies. Oh, yeah. Just like count these <laughs> and give me Same cash. Thing. Yeah. Just letting him know. I hate, yeah. this. I hate what's going on. But hey, man, it's within the system. You set this up. Yeah. Um, I'm playing ball technically. So deal with it. That's oh, yeah. kind of a Chad move. It is. I like it. Stick it. You know what? Because no one really likes the IRS that much, right? <laughs> but a different form of taxes. You could view it as taxes here. Charles, base and optimism have shared governance and revenue sharing. Let's go. What does that mean, dude? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So base put out an article and I'm going to I'll drop it in the if you guys want to read. I'll let yeah, let Mikey drop this in the chat. But uh, based put out an article talking about, um, you know, it's called their commitment to decentralization with the super chain. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of it is them specifying a bunch of jargon that goes over my head about technical improvements they will make to help bring the OP stack towards full decentralization. Mm -hmm. um, quick uh, little blurb on that. Um, I'm sure a lot of you know this, but all no l2 that exists today is fully decentralized um in optimism's case and actually in arbitrum's case as well um currently there's one sequencer see one sequencer node that is run by the op uh foundation um mm -hmm. and sequencers are in charge of ordering transactions um it doesn't mean that they can censor transactions um but it means that you have to trust the sequencer um, to order them the right way. And this is why um, Vitalik says that L2s aren't centralized is because the foundations run the sequencer and before they can get to um, what are called um, multi-fault proof or multi-fraud proof systems, um, they will be decentralized. And I, I don't want to talk about fraud proofs because mm -hmm. I have a very basic understanding of them, but um, a multi-fraud proof system would would guarantee trustless finality and would take away the um, the trust that's necessary uh, on, on, on the sequencer that's run by the foundation. So anyways, okay. base specified they're going to, they're building out a client, I think Optimism's fourth client mm -hmm. um, to get to multiple different clients. And that is a path to a multi-fault, multi-fault proof system, which will bring full decentralization. 
Anyways, okay. So there's a bunch of stuff about that, about how they're working towards centralization, blah blah blah. So um, is like, is it would it be inaccurate to say that Base is taking like very substantial steps to decentralization that we aren't necessarily seeing in other L2s? Uh, yeah, and you know what, I'm I'm not fully like I know the most about optimism. I would say mm -hmm. in terms of uh, as yeah, far you're as big red, go. dude. I'm big red, baby. The optimist. Uh, <laughs> big red, the optimist. That's right. <laughs> um, but um, it seems like the OP stack has a lot of um, builders converging on it. And um, from what these teams of builders are saying, they all are working towards decentralization. So I'm seeing an increasing amount of like of manpower, human power towards building on the OP stack. Um, that uh, I haven't really seen on other L2s, but I could be totally, totally off there. Wow. Um, but it, it just in terms of optimism, it's um, it looks good. And and from what I've seen from base, it's like totally the under, other end of the spectrum from like Coinbase, the exchange where it's centralized. Yeah. They That's don't have their own token. They're just like, hey, we're just going to like build out this stack. Um, wow. So, okay. So to the, to the, more comprehensible news from the article. Um, they've committed to contributing either two and a half percent of base's total revenue from sequencing, mm. or if it's more, whichever number is larger, 15% of the profit that base makes from L2 transactions after subtracting the costs of submitting the data to the L1. So this is a larger okay. percentage. <laughs> So this is a larger percentage than I was mm -hmm. uh, expecting. Um, they're basically saying we are going to be sending uh, um, a pretty substantial amount of our fees, of our revenue to um, the OP ecosystem and to the um, community to fund retroactive, to, to retroactive public goods funding um, and to you know ecosystem grants and all that stuff. So um, there was some numbers being bandying about, bandied about beforehand of like, it's going to be 5% of mm -hmm. their profit or it's going to be, you know, it's probably going to be, but they, they've committed, uh, you know, 15% or, or more depending on what. So, is bigger. so it's very good this, for optimism. This story warms the cockles of my heart, Charles, <laughs> uh, because, you know, we had just been talking about, you know, the traditional institutional coming into crypto and, and, I mean, this is, a, this is the new narrative, right? You got you got institution coming into the Wild West in the conflict, right? Um, Coinbase is not quite like a typical, it, it's not like BlackRock, right? But it's like, it's still much more like legitimate, like based in like a real corporate law as it exists in the United States. Uh, so this is kind of, to me, like a beautiful merging of the two. They're really facilitating DeFi with this and they're really making the investment that seems to count uh which you know there was some fear that that wasn't going to be it and who knows how it's going to play out in the future but also this makes a lot of this this reminds me of last week when we were talking about uh very briefly on our thursday show we talked about how coinbase eliminated center and is doing took a direct equity stake in a circle right um, to tap into that massive revenue stream, like uh, accumulate more of that massive revenue stream that comes from the yield on cash deposits backing USDC. Basically, USDC makes a bunch of money for them, right? Um, a lot of that money 
that huge need for capital, it seems like it's being directed straight into base, right? If you're talking about retroactive, uh, like, what do you call them? Community incentives, retroactive public goods. Oh, yeah. And then also they can afford to pay out more to optimism and to for future development. Beautiful reinvestment. Great play. Great play. Yeah, great play. The timing. We'll see how it works out for him, Chuck, or whatever. Looks like it's going pretty good. And I wouldn't, I would be surprised if it took a dip. Okay. Uh, Let's move on to Aerodrome real quick. Bullish optimism. Um, Yeah. And Aerodrome is launching tomorrow, uh, I I believe. They launched today. Did they launch today? It says Aerodrome is live and the airdrop is in progress. Oh, well, look at me. I don't know anything. Is the site Um, beautiful? It does look pretty good. Is it going to pop up my wallet? Is everyone going to see? So yeah, I, I, I think Epoch Epoch Zero or Epoch One will start tomorrow, um, in line with all the other uh, epochs from other um, solidly things. Wednesday, okay, okay. Wednesday nights are usually the Epoch rollover. Thursday, oh, yeah. they did on Thursday. Wow, Thanks, dude, they're John's generating best. volume in bees. Look at that. Oh yeah, yeah okay. So, so uh, it's 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 Velodrome V two, mm-hmm. um, same front end. And if you guys have been listening to the show, you knew to get that NFT locked up on Velodrome to get Aerodrome, right? Aerodrome airdrop. We told Aerodrome y'all. airdrop, baby. Yeah. All right, that was quick. That was um, quick. Yeah. Uh, so look out for some, maybe some ERN pools. I don't know. They may or may not be on there. This guy loves to tease. All right, real quick, last one. This is a this is gonna be quick and fun. So, Paint Swap uh, finished. S4 Kingdom has launched it, and uh, so I logged in, dude. Uh, this is a game. It reminds me of RuneScape, um, in that like you're just like leveling skills and stuff, but it's a little bit different. Uh, I'm gonna probably play this after the show, probably for like six hours or something. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't I haven't tried it yet, so I don't know how how actual fun it is. But it looks interesting to me, at the least, because I'm a nerd. Um, but yeah, dude, you want to help me pick my character? Do I want to be the Kitty Mage, Itchy Lizzie, Polar yeah. Ace, King Lionel, Raging Ooh. Ears? I feel like a lot of people went for Sleepless Baby. I feel like a lot of people went for the went for the King Lionel. I mean, I don't like the name of that one. one. Look at him, dude. I mean, I did kind of like if you go over two, go left two, I think. Left. Itchy Lizzie. Uh I kind of like Itchy Lizzie for some reason. I I like the dragon vibe. Um, I also like the Wolfgang, the Wolfgang one. Like the rogue. Um Stealth and Deception. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, she's a sneaky lizard, dude. Fierce Ranger. The polar Bear? <laughs> I don't know, man. Right, with, uh, I'm going to go with Kitty go Mage, with dude. I'm <laughs> nice. A, I'm going to call her Corby. <laughs> no way. Someone's got this. All right, good. Is Aerodrome from the team of Velo? Um, they're fork, right? Yeah, no. They're not the same team. Uh, they worked very closely with the Velodrome team, but I believe they are uh, mm-hmm. different, different individuals. Um, so, there might be a bit of crossover. There might be some someone from the Veldrum team mm-hmm. on also on the Aerodrome team, but I don't. It's not the, exactly the same team. Uh, I don't really have a lot of info there. Okay. Okay. So connected, but not. not-
Uh, well, I thought this was going to be way faster, so we could do a quick look like, exploration, but maybe we'll come back to this. All right, well, if, if you want to continue on that, I can just explain the game very quickly. Yeah, um, it's on Phantom, so right? It's on Phantom. It's a medieval fantasy multiplayer um, mm-hmm. where each player, each player and each item is an NFT. Um, and so it's, it's totally free to start apart from gas costs, but it's it's Phantom, so it's basically free. Um and you, you start with a character, you have a bunch of skills, and you train your skills, um, and you can allocate a certain um, number of hours each day to training uh, a certain skill, and you can split up the hours um, with training training these different skills. Um, and then they have a game shop where um, you can buy and sell items. Um, the currency is brush, which makes sense. Um, any item that's bought, half of the brush gets burnt. The other half goes to the pool for for the sellers. Um, and yeah, you can buy items and stuff on PaintSwap as well. So it's it's cool. It's like free to play. You can kind of take to like you can just spend a bunch of money and like, you know, buy a bunch of sick items. But that's kind of lame. You should like yeah. play the game. Level like your, your... Pitch, dude. you could just buy a bunch of items. <laughs> you could just level you your shit money, up, buy a bunch of items. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it looks cool to me, dude. Um, it looks fun. It, it's like, what do they call those? Uh, I forget what they call them. They're like passive games. Like you just like let it run, and then you can like come back mm. and check. Uh, yeah, cool, yeah. dude. It does look pretty nice. And I'll say this: no offense to the early paint swap team, but that first game, this one blows it out the water. Remember the Bob Ross game where you could like go and paint and it was like 3D? That shit crashed for me every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, no, this um, game this looks sick. Like... I haven't played it yet, but I actually will probably do that today. Um, I've heard a lot of good things and yeah. It looks yeah. Good. I'm going to play it for a couple hours and I'm going to say it's for work. <laughs> All the money I put in there, I'm going to buy a bunch of stuff. Since crypto taxes, I'm going to say it's a write off. It was for work. I had to, I had to <laughs> yeah. buy it to buy new skins for my little cat um guys so i want to try to do this other thing we're gonna take a step into the yield fields here i wanted to do a new segment here i want to get some feedback on it assets you might be interested uh so real quick what we're going to do is just a quick rundown of DeFi yields that stuck out to us uh today we're going to do stable coins um so i found i don't know what is that desktop sorry so one i'm a huge fan of this look actually i love this but <laughs> i mean yeah. like it's literally like a virtual desktop but this is built on curve um it just gives you access to like yeah to diversify your exposure to multiple curve pools right oh, um cool. so i'm not going to completely recommend this site because i just found it i didn't look into it at all uh but it's interesting oh, to me. and the rate site yeah oh, sorry, the sorry. Are, i thought that was like your computer like home screen it looks like it right it's like, fucking cool. it does yeah yeah. Um, so you got all these yields here. So I'm kind of hesitant. I thought it was pretty sexy though. These yields are really high. 12.53% for USDC, uh, 13% for Curve USD, almost 9% for ETH, 12.6 for DAI, and 11.53 on FRAX. Something to check out. Um, but again, I can't really recommend it. I don't know how, I don't know the team. I don't really know much about it other than this. And I thought it looked cool. Um, so that's, that's conic, conic finance. Conic finance. Okay. Oh right. Unfor- yeah. Um, you know about it? That it might be why their yields are high, but um, conic 
their their pools got exploited sorry conic finance to bring this um, up but that was that was like um um preceding the uh the curve ordeal with michael mm-hmm. um but their their pools got exploited and that's how the the whole thing kind of unraveled um so mm. yeah so you know uh be be, be cautious um sorry to air mm. out your dirty laundry conic but um, yeah, that's what happened. Sorry, I didn't remember that before the show. No, no, it's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, we got some people saying they're good. They just suffered an unfortunate exploit. Although it was a read-only yeah. reentrancy. I mean, wasn't that the issue with Curve though? It was it was like a secret reentrancy because it's built in uh, Viper. Yeah. So oh, the Conic yeah, pools, yeah, yeah used that version of the- Viper. Um, I mean, they they were very well respected at least before that that unfortunate incident. And I think they're still like, they're, they've been around for a while and I think, think they're still a respected. Okay. Team. So guys do check them out actually. <laughs> um, now for the real yield field. Now his mic again. Um, okay. I did want to make a point about uh, the yield on, on some stable coins right now. Um, okay. As you'll see, uh, the die, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, with the DSR um, mm-hmm. and their accelerated like die savings rate that Maker has been doing to drive demand for die, um, it's gone down. So it started at eight percent. It slowly decreases as utilization increases. Mm-hmm. Now you can get five percent on your die just depositing into their their module into and get that's the die savings rate right now is five percent, and I think. Mm-hmm. That is also driving. So there's a lot of like high supply APRs for stables right now on various lending platforms. And people, yes, what people might be doing is borrowing these other stables to swap mm-hmm. to die and to take advantage of the DSR. Um, stop telling people about the. I'm yeah, so, you, bro. Um, yeah, actually, Charles, that's you know, a fantastic point. So this this one. An interesting example of the complexity of the markets is that Dai introduces this new product, so it's going to impact every stablecoin like lender of any significant size or exposure, right? Because people are going to want Dai to get that fat, juicy yield. Um, and so, yeah. to that point, uh, when I was looking around for this segment, I noticed that all the Dai yields were pretty chunky all around. Um, but more stable. Like you didn't see like a lot of insane yields, um, but you saw like a lot of really healthy ones around like 10%. Uh, I think it's because like you're saying, you have the the die savings rate kind of acting as like ground for all the strategies to build off of. And it's pretty decent. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's raising the utilization rate on all stables is what yeah. seems to be happening. To Philip's point, what about 20 to 30% USDC on Aave? But you know, there's probably a I lot of people borrowing USDC. Yeah, there we go. So take it away. On our yield field segment here, this is what we got. Things to keep an eye on. Check out die savings rate, 5%, right? Just simple, easy 5% on, on your die. Uh, USDT on Aave, when I checked before the show, it was 10%. Uh, to Phillips point, 20 to 30% USDC on Aave. That was true for a little bit, but the rates have fallen since. Uh, the thing about lending markets, these are very flexible. Um, but as for pools, which are a little bit more stable, I guess, in their yields, 
I've got earn USDC on gamma is a uh, 19.6%. Earn USDC on Kronos V1, 16.81%. Um, and if you use TUSD, TUSD, true USD, which I don't know anyone who's ever used it, uh, on Valus, you can get 11.52%. So stuff to check out, guys. That's the yield field. Very quick, very short. But uh, let us know if you liked it, us just giving you some yields from around the system and any other maybe chains or tokens you're more specifically interested in. We want to keep it to kind of the big players, Bitcoin, Staples, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, ERN. And ERN, yes, because it's a friend it's of the show. <laughs> ERN pools out there, y'all. ERN yeah. staked ERN. What a mm-hmm. fucking baller pool. Sorry. Anyways. Yeah, and, and for this, uh, also for the research for this segment, just to look at like aggregated yields, we of course use DeFi Llama and also uh, a little bit of Exponential. If you remember us talking about them, uh, they have a pretty nice, simple interface for just like finding yields uh, that are, and they rate them in terms of complexity and risk, which is pretty nice. Pretty nice. I don't want to give anything too complicated, too dangerous. You know but what, dude? I rate exponential to use. What do you give it UK on a scale slang. of A to F? Nah, that's like that's like UK or like Aussie slang. If you say you rate something, it means like I like it. Like, oh, ooh, really? I rate that. I rate that. Yeah. Bizarre guess, rates to people. <laughs> I rate that one out of ten. No, no. I so rate, they just I say I rate that. Cool. They like it. Yeah, it's just that it ends there. That's awesome. That's so cool for them to say. <laughs> Man, Amer- uh, is it true that American stuff is the coolest in Europe, you think? Or am I getting cope? I feel like Europeans are very proud of it. But I was I was watching some people being like, you know, you guys steal our slang over here in the UK. Mm. I don't know. I know I'm asking know, you. You're man. not in the UK. We got to get a British guy on. We'll do a slang segment. We'll get a British person on. Um, back to business though, because we have kind of ran up time, dude. You have a project you want to talk to me about, right, Charles? Yeah, this it'll be um, <clears throat> it'll be short. Mm-hmm. It'll be short. I'll keep it keep it brief. And you know, there's some opportunities out there for all you listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, so Swell is a liquid staking protocol. Um, you deposit ETH, and they give you uh, SW ETH in return or SWEETH, however you want to call it. Beautiful um, SWEETH. SWEETH. Uh, yeah, so SWEETH is a, a LST. It's a liquid staking derivative token. Uh, you can use it across DeFi. It is interest bearing uh, slash reward bearing. So it's not rebasing. So it just mm-hmm. slowly increases in value relative to ETH, which is nice uh, for tax purposes. Um, and yeah, they, right now their node operators are permissioned and you can, you can check out a list of who operates their nodes. It's a bunch of fully vetted, you know, node companies. Um, if that is something that you want to look into, they're going to be transitioning to permissionless, um, node operation in the future. Um, so anyways, they're, they're a liquid staking protocol. Um, you may have seen Sweeth around in different liquidity pools. Um, but mm-hmm. what I wanted to talk about was um, a potential airdrop opportunity because that's what everybody cares about. Interesting. Um, so they have stated that they will have their own Swell token. Um, the the details of which are about are yet to be announced. So like the the 
allocation of, of swell and the tokenomics and all that yet mm. to come out. Um, but they have this, they have this sort of, um, this, uh, this like mission Coast. called the voyage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically you can earn pearls for, um, for depositing and minting swell ETH, uh, and also by, uh, participating in swell ETH liquidity pools. Um, and maybe if you want to go to DeFi Llama as, as an ex extension of our, uh, our yield field, we can check out some swell ETH liquidity pools. Um, yeah, but basically you, you earn these pools, uh, sorry, pearls for, um, for engaging with, with swell. And then once their token launches, you exchange the pearls and you get their token as an airdrop. Um, yeah. And, uh, that's pretty much it. So, um, I've heard good things about swell. They seem to be an up and coming liquid staking, uh, protocol. And, uh, there's a lot of cool swell ETH, uh, liquidity pools out there and you could potentially get some, get some swell tokens if you don't mind being on mainnet. Uh, so uh, it is on mainnet. The caveat, mm -hmm. I have to be on mainnet. Yeah. I'm trying sure. to see what these yields are like on here, but, uh, I'm too dumb, dude. Um, but if we were to look at them on DeFi Llama, I do think there's a lot of opportunity here. Market cap, total value log, 77 million. Liquid staking, though, hard thing to break into. And that, and it, it is, yeah. Lots of, lots of competition. competition. Um, they are doing pretty well in their TVL. They have, you know, they've got, um, like 48 thousand ETH deposited already. And once they hit, they have this milestone of 50,000 50, ETH that once mm. they hit that and they will hit that, um, the distribution um, of Swell, uh, mm -hmm. the distribution program with Swell and Pearls is going to increase um, by a pretty large margin. So um, yeah, there we go. Yeah. 40% um, bonus Swell. I mean, this sounds like a nice little scheme here. Uh, yeah. I'm excited to check it out. I'm a little excited to check it out. Um, I do want to see where these dang yields are. Okay. Oh, I see here. I, I see what you wanted me to look up, dude. Uh, um, yeah. While you're doing that, Mr. Got Plenty mm -hmm. had a question. He also said that American stuff is cooler than Canadian stuff. All right, buddy. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll accept that, I guess. I mean, there's I like, like 10 of us up here. Not to kick you while you're down, but I mean, like, you got your, your team is you way deeper. Jim Carrey, <laughs> <laughs> the American bench is so much deeper than the Canadian bench. Come on, oh, yeah, we're trying. True. Um, but he, Mr. Got Plenty wanted me. This is not a clever pun to start a joke at your own expense. I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> can you please explain why the flywheel process of earn works? Um, okay, well. I encourage you to look into Liquidity, which is the original um, implementation of this kind of protocol. Um, it is a CDP where you deposit ETH or BTC or OP, OP talking about ethos reserve here, um, and you mint ERN. Um, the ERN is always over collateralized and um, how it stays stable is if the value of the collateral underlying drops. Um, the stability pool, which is a bunch of pooled ERN, 
is going to be used to pay off those underwater positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is how it remains always over collateralized. And then the peg um, is maintained through arbitrage. So let's say the you know ERN is at a dollar and five cents. What people could do is mint it, mint it using um, using their collateral, you know, deposit 100 ETH, pull out 90 ERN, and then sell that 90 ERN for, um, for a profit. Um, and then once the peg comes back down, they can buy it back and pay off their loan and they make the difference. Similarly, if it's below, below peg, you can buy it off the market and you can dr- redeem $1 worth of collateral through Ethos Reserve. But anyways, I, I highly recommend you read um, through the liquidity docs, through the Ethos Reserve docs, um, and you know, drop, come in my DMs, man. I'll, I'll be happy to to give wow. you a, a better rundown. Um, man, private invite. Mr. Alpani's my guy. I gotta, I gotta. Your uh, sensei, man. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I pulled up the the SWEF yields, like you asked, and uh, pretty nice. Although, so I saw my eye was obviously immediately drawn to Pendle and Somalia because we talked to them both. Um, you know, Somalia, I remembered, you know, we trust this guy. We met the strategist behind this. Um, you come over here to uh, Somalia. Turbo and, uh, sweet. Still, it's not as good as it was saying on DeFi Llama. I don't know where DeFi Llama got 50%, but still not bad, 5%. Uh, yeah. Uh, pearls. So the mm-hmm. pearl thing is kind of big. Like you're saying, if you get uh, enough pearls, you get like a big airdrop or something. We don't know how big the airdrop's going to be, but you get a lot more. Yeah, and I mean that is uh, on top of like the pearls. You know, if you if you mint uh, sweet, um, that's going to be increasing in value relative to the ETH that you deposited. So you're getting the four or five percent or whatever the staking rate is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on top of that, if you know you can be earning some pearls and get an airdrop. Um, yeah. Uh, but there's there's a there's a couple of good liquidity pools around um, where it's like a sweet ETH pair um, where they're correlated. You're not going to suffer any IL or very negligible IL, um, and it's just really good. Uh, it's just a really good rate. Um, it's just really good yield on your ETH. Uh, we also do see some pretty fat ones too still on Pendle. It looks like a lot of these. I don't know when. Uh, DeFi Llama updates. It looks like a lot of these are on DeFi Llama are kind of old, but some of these are still pretty high. Uh, so for SWEF, <laughs> you go on to Pendle, you could still land uh, 10% APY. Pretty nice. Pretty nice on your ETH because you're also ad- earning additional yield on those underlying assets. I think we're seeing kind of pretty, dude. I think things are looking pretty good here. Bitcoin's up. Yields are up. Grayscale's up. Projects. <laughs> yeah, money's up, dude. Well, not really. I'm still down a lot. Who <laughs> <Yeah. Whatever> cares? <laughs> All right, let's see here. Let's return back to S4 real quick. Um, oh, I can finally Smith. Am I? Was my person alive? Oh yeah, here she is, Corvy, level twenty. I don't know how I, that happened. I'm brand new. Oh no way! Look at that XP. Maybe it's just oh, Dude. it's because I I think it's just like, you know, Jir play Runescape. Uh, yeah, I, I did a little bit. I never really got yeah. too far into it. Um, it's like um, my parents didn't like video games. That's a good. They're smart. They're smart for this. Yeah. It was um, lame back then. Yeah, I'm just gonna put my my girl to work here. Just killing this guy, I guess. All right, select. I don't have a weapon. 
right. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Guys, Corval is going to be quitting Block Bites and he's going to go full time into playing S for Kingdom. Uh, oh, yeah, so say goodbye. Corvi has now been born, and this is the <laughs> yeah. start of a new era. This is my new. Life. This is my new life now. <laughs> it's gonna be LARPing as a, um, a kitten, as Corvi, a cartoon, <laughs> as a <kid. laughs> yeah, a cartoon magic kid. But yeah, all right. Well, there you go. Check me out. Join uh, join my clan on S Four Kingdoms. I don't know if they have anything like that. Oh, this <laughs> right here. Yeah, maybe I'll make one. Um, but still, looks kind of cool, dude. Uh, I'm stoked about it. All right, well, that's Start our show, guys. S for Kingdom, your yields. Uh, what's it called? Oath Tokenomics. I'm gonna drop the link to the Oath Tokenomics article because um, it's my duty as a shiller. <laughs> yeah, um, that's what they pay you for. <laughs> come on, Mikey, drop that in the chat. Um, I do want to say to close out. None of this was financial advice because I feel like we talked a lot about yields. It's not financial advice, y'all. I am but a lowly user. And uh, I do not have a degree in finance. So keep yeah. that in mind. Guys, Charles isn't giving you guys financial advice. He's giving me financial advice <laughs> on air. Yeah. That's what it is boiling down to. Um, just kidding. But yeah, it just some stuff that we thought was kind of interesting. I'm looking into because um, I do need to make some of that money back, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah. All right. Thanks for showing up, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone listening at home and here in the chat. Uh, and yeah, we're getting a little sign off from Boobs Finance here, friends over at Boobs Finance. Um, be sure to like and subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, anything else I got to plug? I said the other thing. I think that's it. Uh, come back on Thursday. We got Bebus. We're going to talk more about those Oath Tokenomics. I know you guys are interested in them. And uh, thanks again, Charles, for showing up, man. Anything you're up to Thank today? You. I had a great time. Um, I think yeah. I might go play some tennis right now. Fantastic. All right, I'm going to go weather a hurricane. <laughs> All right, guys, I'll see you all later uh, on Thursday. Adios. Bye. Hey, what's up, folks? Really appreciate you watching the show today. Please remember to like and subscribe and leave us some comments. Uh, we're always open to hearing some feedback. And while you're here, why not check out a couple other videos? See you next time.